Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Good morning, Granary Church. Lovely to be with you this morning. It is such a privilege, as I said in the first service, to be at your church. And I, I want to say that the Granary Church is very loved. I had the privilege uh, with Alpha of meeting countless pastors and leaders in your region, countless pastors and leaders across New South Wales. And I can tell you, there was a resounding love for your senior pastor. She is very highly regarded. And uh, I feel very blessed and privileged to be here this morning and to be a part of what God is doing in this time and in this season. And I, I want to encourage you that God is doing good things. God is a good God. God is a faithful God. And no matter what goes on around about us, there's something beautiful that we have in faith, knowing that God has everything under control. Even though things feel out of control, God has a plan and a purpose that He is rolling out across the earth. And it's good and it's going to have a great outcome. And I absolutely love the theme that Theo and Pastor Sue asked me to come and speak into, which is proclaiming freedom. God is relentlessly pursuing freedom. God is relentlessly pursuing the freedom of people across the planet. God has been relentlessly pursuing freedom from the moment that Adam and Eve, not just Eve, but Adam and Eve in the garden took the fruit and walked away from God and His plans and His purposes. And God promised us that He would roll out a freedom plan across the planet. And the reality is that has not changed. God is still relentlessly pursuing the freedom of people across the earth. And today I'd love to take you on a journey and have a look at some key moments throughout Scripture where God initiated freedom in the hearts of men and women that initiated freedom in the lives of generations to come. I don't know about you, but I wanna be a woman who initiates freedom for the people around me right now. But I want to be a woman who initiates freedoms, freedom and creates footprints in the sand, so to speak, for the generations to follow. That's my heart and that's my goal. That's why I do everything that I do so that the generations to come can sing the praises of God and look at my life and look at what we are building here at the granary and churches across the world and say, I want to follow in those footsteps. I want us to look at this incredible woman of God called Naomi in the book of Ruth. Naomi was a woman in Scripture, in the Bible. She was a woman who believed that freedom was found in the second chance. God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. I've experienced that. You see, we all fail and we all fall. We're human. God is aware of our humanity. God is aware that we are not perfect. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're definitely not perfect. <laughs> but I love you anyway. <laughs> I 
That's okay. That's enough now. That's enough. Okay, we've got, let's bring that back. Breathe a sigh of relief. There's nobody in the room who's perfect. We are all humans in need of a second chance. And Ruth understood that. And Naomi understood that, that God was a God of second chance. Can you hear my Kiwi accent? The first service picked it as well. This is why I'm in black and white, because we're part of the Anzacs. Don't forget us, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm clapping myself. My Kiwi brothers, kia ora. Um, You know, we are all in need of a second chance. And, you know, I'm just going to step into my little bit of a prophetic hat this morning. I believe one of the things that God is asking of His church right now across the planet is to be the first to extend the people around us a second chance. You know, for too long, we've been holding everyone at bay when really God is saying, swing open your doors, will you? Because every human across the planet deserves a second chance. And we see in the life of Naomi that she was committed to a second chance. But Naomi's life was one of deep pain and heartache. We see that in Ruth chapter 1, she experienced so much heartbreak and, and she experienced so much loss. We see that she experienced a natural famine. So literally there was no food in Ruth chapter 1. And then we see in Ruth chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, we see that Naomi, she lost her, she lost her son. She lost her husband. She actually lost two sons and a husband. So she experienced emotional famine and then she found herself in a place where she was saying to God, where are you, God? In Ruth chapter 1, verse 21, she'd experienced so much loss and so much grief that grief became her prisoner. She became a prisoner to grief. But you know what I love about the story of Ruth was that she decided that, you know what, I'm not going to stay in the place that I am. And your freedom is one decision away right now. Freedom is just one decision away. Sometimes when you feel things confining you or thought processes confining you or situations drawing you in and holding you captive, you know what? You are only one decision away sometimes from walking out of that place and finding yourself in a place of freedom. Ruth decided, Naomi decided that she would get herself together. She would bring her daughter-in-laws, a daughter-in-laws around her and she would begin a new journey. And she would take those two women out of a place of complete desolation without hope and without a future. And she would go on a journey with them into a place of freedom. Right there in that moment, Naomi and Ruth were proclaiming freedom. You see, I'm so grateful in my life that I've had men and women who have gotten themselves together to show me an example of what freedom looks like. I'm so glad that I've had people in my world, and I still do, who have struggled. They've had opposition. They've had pain. They've had grief. But like Naomi, they believed that God was a God of a second chance and God had not left them, but He was taking them on a significant journey to outwork His plans and His purposes in and through their lives. 
The Bible says that Ruth and Naomi arrived back in a place called Bethlehem at the beginning of a new season. And the wonderful thing about what they went into was that it was a season of harvest. You see, I want to encourage you this morning, Granary Church, that if you would just trust God in the moment when you're feeling like everything's against you and you would just step out, God promises you that He will lead you into new seasons. And one thing I know about God, we're singing about it this morning. He is a good, good Father and He is a good, good God. And He wants you to experience a second chance even more than what you want to experience that second chance. They arrived back into Bethlehem And the Bible says that they found a safe place. They found a place of provision. They found a place of safety and comfort. And the beautiful thing about this story is this, is that Ruth goes on and he meets Boaz and they become, they get together. God's the God of the second chance. And then out of that lineage comes Jesus Christ Himself. And then when we go through to Matthew chapter 1, we see that There's a list of people that the the disciple, the apostle Matthew writes about. He writes about Tamar. Tamar was a woman that had all her rightful places, her rightful inheritance, everything taken from her. But God was a God of the second chance. Ruth, again, everything taken from her, but God was the God of the second chance. Rahab, a woman that you and I would probably feel a little bit uncomfortable around, a prostitute a woman that was lost and and, and empty and void, but yet God saw her heart and He gave her a second chance. Are you in need of a second chance this morning? I sure am. Every day I get up, I'm in need of a second chance. Every moment of every day, I'm in need of God's second chance. I can't live without the grace of God. I can't exist without the grace of God. I can't live without the cross. I can't live without the work of Calvary. Every day I need that second chance. The path we choose is a, is a path of hope and freedom. But here it is, church. When you choose a path of hope, like Naomi did, when you choose that path of freedom, when you choose to get it together and just not settle for where you're at, we're choosing a path not just for us, but we're choosing a path for the generations to come. There's another story in the Scripture about a young woman called Miriam. And Miriam was a woman who would have heard the amazing stories from her grandparents and the people and the men and women of God around her because the Bible says when Miriam existed, the Scriptures were not actually written down. They were communicated through conversation. And Miriam would have heard so much about who God was and what God wanted to do and where God was, what God had planned for the nation of Israel. She would have heard these scriptures. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make you famous. You'll be a blessing and I'll bless you. But you've got to understand this. When Miriam heard these scriptures, she was living a life of captivity and freedom was not her reality. Sometimes you and I have to keep reminding ourselves of what God has promised for you. Not the person next to you, what God has promised for you and what God has promised for those who are entrusted to your care. You know, I was just saying to Pastor Sue before while we were chatting, I am believing for so many things in my life at the moment. I'm believing for my family. I'm believing for my husband. And if you haven't met him, 
He's extraordinary and he would love to be here with you this morning, but he had some commitments he had to fulfill back in our church. You know, I'm believing for my for my, my children. I'm believing for my the work that I'm involved in rescuing children out of exploitation. You know, and sometimes it's not always easy to believe for God's promises to be worked out in your everyday life. Sometimes it's difficult because everything seems to be going against you. But here's young Miriam with this little basket in a river while there was genocide happening around her. And she was watching over this little life. And I believe this little this scripture was probably echoing in her heart. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make you famous. You'll be a blessing and I'll bless you. And I believe she was looking over this life, her brother Moses. And I believe she was thinking, you know what? It looks impossible. Everything's against us. They are destroying our freedom more and more and more. But she watched over what God had entrusted her to look after. And we know that the story leads to this. That young little baby in that basket grew up to be one of the greatest leaders the world has ever seen that led a nation out of captivity into freedom. And you and I are here today because of that man and this and the little girl that looked over her life his life and protected him the bible he was one of the only men on the planet that ever saw god an incredible leader but it was that little girl that looked after that man and held on to the promises that god had for him we don't know what sits on the other side of the decisions we make to be a protector of the dreams and the potential that it's in our life and the lives of those around us. We have no idea. And all God asks us to do in this time and in this season, I believe throughout the church, is to stay true to the promises of God, to keep declaring that and to keep watching over what God has entrusted into our care. You see, right now in this meeting, you might be struggling. You might be standing and looking at a lost marriage. You might be looking at a diagnosis that is different. You might be looking at a business that is struggling. You might be looking at the loss of a family member. But I've come to tell you that God is committed to your freedom. God is a God of hope and your dreams and the dreams of the people that sit next to you matter to Him. Hope brings freedom. Now, the only thing that we should be a prisoner to, the Bible says, is hope. God says, be a prisoner to hope. And if there's one thing right now that we are seeing a void of is hope. You see, I think the church should be the most hope-filled place on the planet. I think when people who don't know Jesus from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, from whatever, every, every sphere of life, they should walk into the church and go, wow, this place is so hope-filled. I couldn't doubt that I could do anything. I can do everything that I wanna do. I'm, this place is full of hope. When people engage with us, I believe they should feel like we are the most hope-filled people and that we believe in them immensely. In John 4, we see a beautiful story of a woman who sat at the well. This is the longest conversation that Jesus ever engaged in with anyone that's documented in Scripture in John chapter 4. It was a remarkable conversation and it set, I believe, a template for how the church of Jesus Christ is to look in this day and in this age. For me as a minister of the gospel, everything I do, everything I say comes back to John 4. If it doesn't mirror the Jesus, the Saviour that I see in John 4, it makes me wonder whether it's really God's plan for the church. 
See, one of the things in this conversation that Jesus was doing was he was, a, he was sending out a message to us in the future, thousands of years into the future of his heart and his love for all people not just selected groups, not just groups that we understand, not just groups that seemingly have it together. The love of God extends to all people and His freedom, is His His desire is to bring freedom to all of humanity. Jesus begins to unravel this woman's heart and unravel the dreams and the potential that's in her life. And in that moment when she met Jesus Christ, her life transitioned from a life of pain and anguish into a life of freedom. And the Bible says that she went out and began a revival that some theologians believe was still happening 75 years after that moment that she sat with Jesus at the well. You see, we don't know what's on the other side of people's freedom. We have people in our world right now when they need freedom and they need hope and they need life. All God asks us to do is just keep sitting at the well and just keep talking and just keep loving and just keep caring and not judging. You see, this young woman's life was so far away from God's plans and purposes, it could scare most of us. But Jesus is not scared of our stuff. Jesus is not scared of what holds you captive. Jesus is not scared of what binds you up. He is not afraid. He is not intimidated by the things that you secretly carry in your heart. God is not afraid of that. And God is able to bring healing and life and freedom into every situation that you find yourself in. I am so glad today that I stand and speak to you about freedom. And I can tell you that the freedom that I speak to you about, I can speak to you about confidently and I can talk to you about proclaiming freedom because my life was not always as it is today. You know, sometimes it's very easy for people to assume that if you've got, if you're a pastor, that you've had it all together and you've got it all together. That is not the truth. You see, my life for the first 16, 17 years of my life, I was raised in a religious cult and I knew what it was like not to live in freedom. That's why when, when Pastor Theo said to me, can you come and speak about freedom? I thought, yeah, you betcha I can. Because I knew what it was like to not have a voice. I knew what it was like not to be able to make decisions. Even I couldn't even make decisions about the clothes I wear. I couldn't make decisions about anything to do with my life. I was fully, I was in a, I was in a, a box and like, not literally, but my whole world was literally decided for me. At the age of 17, my father decided it was time for us to escape and get free. And we did. And God has done an incredible work altering my life, healing my heart and setting me up to speak about freedom. And I've had many people that have come into my life and I'm so thankful for them that taught me how to live in freedom. And I believe that the Granary Church, you are called as a church to teach the generations to come how to live free. You were called as a church to speak out the truth of the Word of God and to speak of His love and and sing over this generation and bring hope and bring freedom to the lives of countless hundreds of thousands of people. You see, I had a grandmother in my life who spoke freedom over my life. She would sing and sing and sing. I had a mother who is strong and brave and tenacious and she would pray and she would pray and she would pray. My sister, she is, proclaims freedom through her ability to nurse. She's a highly skilled nurse. 
And every time she goes into that ward, she is proclaiming freedom from sickness and freedom from disease. And she speaks life over people and she brings healing. And you know what? She brings freedom. She proclaims freedom by bringing people into her world. Now you'll laugh at this, but it's the truth. By just having a cup of tea. When you sit with my sister and you have a cup of tea, your whole life changes. Everything changes. Have you ever met people and they just smile at you and you just feel lighter and happier? That's proclaiming freedom. Have you ever met someone that just comes alongside you and says, you're awesome, you're going to make it? That's proclaiming freedom. Have you ever been in a place, I remember as a young mum with little children, I remember sometimes my children were, anyone got naughty kids when you go grocery shopping? And I used to feel like, oh no, oh, I just want to curl up. And I used to, because you know, pastors are always under scrutiny. I used to look around and go, oh gosh, is anyone here from church? <laughs> and people used to come up and go, are you okay? Can I help you? Oh my goodness, that's, that's proclaiming freedom. How are you proclaiming freedom today? What is your story? You see, my story is this, that once I was lost, but now I'm found. My story is this, that God is good and God is kind because for the first 17 years, I didn't know that. I thought God was harsh and angry and cruel. But now my story has changed because I've had people in my life that have declared a different type of, they've declared freedom over my life. What I'd love you to do this morning, just turn to the person next to you and say, what is your declaration of freedom that you're able to speak over people's lives this morning? Can you do that for me quickly? Fantastic. This morning we celebrate together the Anzacs, the Australian and the New Zealand armies that fought for our freedom, that fought for the ability to be here together. But it wasn't just about that. They fought for unity. They fought for religious freedom. They fought for you and I to be able to proclaim what we believe and what we see our future to look like, not dictated to by the thoughts and the opinions of others. We celebrate this today together and it is a wonderful thing to celebrate. But today we are called to also proclaim freedom through the gospel. We are also called to proclaim freedom through patience with one another. We are also called to proclaim freedom by loving each other unconditionally, by being kind to one another, by being advocates for one another by encouraging each other in every way we can. And at every time we are proclaiming freedom over one another, but more importantly, we are allowing the generations to come to watch us and to listen to our language and to listen to the sound that's coming out of the church right now. And I believe that as we continually commit as the church of Jesus Christ to be proclaiming incredible things over each other and over our community and over our nation. The generations will listen and they will start to come into the slipstream that we are now creating. And it will be one that they'll be able to say, you know what, I can buy into that. I can believe in that. I can follow that. I can hear that sound. I can hear that. And I'm prepared to follow that. And I'm prepared to walk forward with that because the generations that come behind us are looking for footprints that they can walk within until they are ready to fly on their own. So what is 
the proclamation of freedom that you are making. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And without the Holy Spirit, we can't do this. The Bible also said that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I would put it to you, unless we love, we cannot have a sound, a proclamation of freedom. How much do we need the Holy Spirit, church? When was the last time you and I fell in love and desperately searched after the Holy Spirit? You see, I'm so aware as a minister that in this season of where the church of Jesus Christ sits, I cannot do what I do without the Holy Spirit. And I'm even more acutely aware that in this season that we find ourselves in across the planet, I cannot do and I cannot be what God has asked me to be unless the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in my heart for the people that surround me. As the musicians come, I want to ask you this morning, how much do you love the Holy Spirit? How much do you need the Holy Spirit on this journey of proclamating, proclaiming freedom? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we treasure and when we hold on to the Holy Spirit, there is a resounding sound that will echo out of our lives that will bring freedom wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, whatever context we find ourselves in, we will bring freedom. I have teenage children that I love very much and um, not all my kids' friends are Christians, which I love very much. And you know what? I'm, I'm thrilled to tell you that, you know, they come to, these unsaved kids come to our house, kids that are not in faith, and uh, you know what? I can tell you a huge amount of the time they walk up the stairs into the, our lounge and they, they stop. It's almost laughable now. They stop at the top of the lounge and they just go, whoa, what is that? And they, they sense the difference. They sense the difference in the room. And they'll come to me and they'll say, what is it about your house? Like, why does it, why does it feel so different? What is that? And I get the privilege of saying, you know, that's Jesus. That's Jesus in the room and, and they sit down beside me and I don't understand them and they're very different to me and they're doing things that I don't get. But I tell you what, I don't, I don't go and I don't tell them what they're not. I wanna tell them who they are. I wanna see with eyes that only God can see and I wanna speak over their lives and I wanna tell them that they're amazing and that they're loved and that they're beautiful. And I can tell you some of the stories that I've heard around my, my dining room table would break your heart in two. We have a generation of young people that are in so much pain and they're in a wilderness of destitution and heartache and they are broken. And it is our responsibility at the Church of Jesus Christ, and I know I'm passionate about this, but I love the unsaved, I love the lost, I love the broken. And it is our responsibility as a company of believers to not tell them what's wrong, but to tell them what's right, to tell them what God says they are, to tell them how loved they are, to tell them how believed in they are. And I believe as we start to speak freedom over this generation and the generations to come, we will see an unprecedented move of God in their lives, through their lives. And God will change the trajectory of generations to come. Friend, don't let your pain, your failings, close up your mouth and stop you from speaking life and healing and wholeness in this time and in this season that we find ourselves in across the planet because they're waiting. The world is waiting for the church to declare their freedom. In Jesus' Name.